Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Alexis the midwife. And I'm Becky the doula. Welcome to Notes from the Mother Box, where we will be having real and frank conversations about the highs and lows of the parenting journey. And if you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Acast and follow us over on Instagram. So pop the kettle on, pour yourself a cuppa, get comfy and enjoy this week's episode of Notes from the Mother Box. Today we are really lucky to be joined by Mary Meadows. Mary is a mother, writer, speaker, life coach and NLP practitioner. Mary also hosts regular business mastermind workshops. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. This is very exciting. I haven't done a podcast for ages. We wonder if we can start by just talking through how did you get into this in the first place, all the amazing work you do? Well, it seems quite a long time ago now. <clears throat> but when I had Albie, uh, who is now nearly nine, going on 15, um, <laughs> He, when I first had him as a baby, I had postnatal depression and I didn't want to have postnatal depression. <laughs> so mm. I used to spend my time in front of, uh, there used to be a big period in the afternoon and we used to watch, what's that Noel Edmonds programme that used to be on with the boxes? Deal or no deal. That's it. Oh, I yes. used to sit in front of deal or no deal on the sofa and I'll be, used to be boobing, bottling whatever I was doing at the time I used to lay him down by the side of me and I used to have my husband's iPad and I'd be googling and I'd google things like how to fix postnatal depression uh how to survive postnatal depression mm. someone in Brighton that survived postnatal depression mm. someone in the world that has survived postnatal depression and the only things I could find now I don't think I think Instagram was around but I certainly wasn't on it mm. um same with Facebook and uh but YouTube was definitely a thing and on YouTube all that used to come up of these searches were these awful kind of 1990s videos of these American doctors very dry saying uh things like well women with postnatal depression they're going to uh you know children of women with postnatal depression have a massive uh it's a massive impact for children as they grow older in uh, trying to build relationships and connections and things so I'm like sitting there thinking great fucked up my kid already <laughs> so, oh. you know and and it was really just awful information just so yeah. depressing and funny enough having postnatal depression for me I didn't feel depressed and I always think it's odd that it's called mm. that because I didn't actually feel depressed I just felt nothing mm. it mm -hmm. was a big nothingness and mm. um 
didn't feel happy, didn't feel sad, just felt nothing. I used to look at, I can remember speaking to my doctor, my GP, who was really good at the time, but very much take the pills, take the pills, take the pills. And um, I remember saying to her, I can look at my dog, George, and you both met George and he is in yes, uh, And cute. I can look at George and my heart just swells like I want to eat him, like I want to squeeze him so hard, that kind of feeling. And then I look at Albie and it's just nothing. There's just nothing I can't, mm. I can't I can't explain it any other way it's just nothing I'm very surprised I can I can remember the doctors and the nurses and the mid um not the mid health workers and stuff that were involved every conversation used to start with Mary are you able to look after Albie are you able to wash him are you able to feed him are you able to keep him clean are you keeping yourself clean and feeding yourself and it was very basic questions mm. and it only hit me afterwards how kind of bad it was yeah. for them to mm. be asking me those kind of questions but I can't even remember my answers and and whether or not it was the truth do you know mm. what I mean because yeah. I just was had this face on just got mm. very good at acting and yes everything's fine um which is really dangerous <laughs> yeah um so yeah. sorry I've diverted talking about that no but, um no. yes so that is basically the reason I got into all of this was yeah. that that feeling of just being so alone my husband at the time worked uh he's um worked in hotels so he was like at work all the time which I think was a bit of a coping mechanism as well mm. because it's not much fun to be at home with a woman just having given birth postnatal depression and a and a baby with colic um he had uh, lots of problems when he was first born he had bronchiolitis I was in and out of hospital mm. so we had all of that going on as well um so yes yeah, so it wasn't much fun and it just you know, I didn't want to tell, I can remember my mum and my parents being really supportive and really wonderful, but I didn't want to tell them the whole truth because I thought there was something really, really wrong with me. And although I had had the, um, you know, the postnatal, the, the, the diagnosis of postnatal depression, it's like, yeah, but I'm not ill. Uh, you know I'm not I'm not I I, you know I need to get out of mm. bed no one's expecting I'm, I'm not that kind of ill I just you know and I just it was my first experience of that kind of how do I explain this to people so yeah and that's one of the reasons I got into it all so I started with um uh, talking about it and I'd tell everybody I mean I would I would I'd tell the <laughs> bus driver when I got on the bus uh with Albie in the buggy I'd be like yeah I'll have a single into town please and I have got postnatal depression so if anything weird happens that's what it is <laughs> and I tell oh. I tell people in the coffee shops I'd be like just in case I burst into tears or something it's nothing you know I've got postnatal depression anybody would that would listen basically mm. I would say I, I had it because I wanted someone to say oh me too I had that and it was mm. I'm, I'm fine now nobody did mm. nobody did no I didn't know anybody I oh, was that the really surprises me yeah and I was the statistics you know in the NCT mm. group that we had I was the one the postnatal depression I was the one that struggled with the breastfeeding you know that it was like oh, you know the, where's the other people so it kind of made me think that this this is this isn't okay this isn't okay that we talk about stuff that we're I'm supposed to be ashamed of it because you know when I did talk about it everybody used very hushed voices and mm. everybody was being very um 
gentle around me and I didn't like it. I I, I was like, I'm not glossing over this. This is not something, you know, I want to talk mm. about it. I want to, I want to talk about it. I've always um, been good at talking as mm. you you neither of you got a word in yet <laughs> yeah, we like it we like it we're listening we're finding it interesting oh, yeah. Mary um and I've also very good at listening and I can remember putting those things into Google I've always been quite jealous of my brother who's an interior designer he went to university did all of that and uh, and I never did and I it always feels like he's got a proper job and I haven't and I was like come on there must be something listening and talking and you know empathy all of those things I can remember literally just putting those skills into Google and saying what jobs good for somebody that's like this and life coach came up and I was mm. like is that an actual job though is it an, <laughs> is it an actual job and um, I needed something that would fit in around Albie being at nursery mm. and being a single mum because of course all that happened as well when Albie was around 18 months and yeah and it, and, it, and it came up and I investigated it's still an unregulated profession so I made sure that the qualifications that I did uh, it took me about a year to qualify that they are accredited and that I'm able mm-hmm. to have professional membership and insurance and things like that because that side of things is really important to me yeah so I think that's, that's amazing, amazing Mary and I think what's really great about that in a lot of ways is as you know I went through perinatal mental illness mm-hmm. and I mine was more focused on acute depression and anxiety during actual pregnancy so antenatal mm-hmm. and I just think having someone who you can talk to I remember on the odd occasion I was able to talk to somebody who'd and usually it was postnatal depression actually I've spoken to very few people who had it on the antenatal side Mm. but it's like that club that you really hate being a part of but when they know they know and you don't have to explain it and I remember saying to one of my friends wow what surprises me, and this came after years and years of having been a midwife, going through bookings with people and saying, have you ever experienced depression? Have you ever experienced anxiety? But it meaning nothing to me. And if I'm completely honest, feeling like depression was almost like self-caused. And I say that with my hands up in the air, like just knock it off, just like, you know, change that mindset until I went through it myself. And the disconnect that you speak of, that blew my socks off although it didn't even in the Mm. moment it does in reflection because Mm. in the moment like you say I felt very little but when I look back what frightens me most I think is two things having um is the intrusive thinking which just swoops in from nowhere and the disconnect I felt with my uh two children I already had because it was during my third pregnancy so when you when you speak of that it sort of just rings those bells for me and I can just go back to that place in a heartbeat and I just want to kind of just hug my myself when I was going through yeah. it, you know? And it's so important, isn't it, to to have this conversation like you were saying, Mary, you looked and there was no narrative. There was no open discussion. And, you know, my eldest is 14 and th- even more so back then there was nothing. And it's only really in the last, I would say, mm. four years, mm. do you think, Lecky, that, that yeah. the, the narrative has, so. like, I, with with Instagram, I think, you know, with social media and people having having a voice and just sharing everything. And I think suddenly people are like, oh, okay, you know, and when I worked in the, the postnatal depression clinic, I was doing body work. But one of the things I remember kind of listening in on some of the sessions and the biggest thing was shame and secrecy. Mm. And I so isolation mm. because people weren't talking. And as soon as the people in the group started talking and sharing, 
they still had postnatal depression, but they were dealing with it so much better. Mm. And and so having that open discussion is so important, isn't it? And it's not about everyone declaring that they have postnatal depression, depression, you know, prenatal depression. You know, it's not about everybody doing this and laying themselves bare and Mm. talking about it. And it's, it's about listening being able to hear Mm. that somebody else has experienced what you've gone through and you know just me saying and I get this a lot from the podcast I do that feeling of nothingness just kind of Mm. talking about that feeling of disconnect and that nothingness I have so many women kind of message me and say that's what it is that's what it is how weird that it's called depression you know how weird you know and even Mm. kind of oh I mean I don't know when it molds into just depression but Mm. even that word you know we're still Mm. I think there's I think the last four years I think you're right I think there has been a massive um impact but then there are still things that come up because we tend to surround ourselves with people Mm. with the same values and the same um kind not not necessarily experiences but you know we kind of Mm. you know we we share values don't we the people that we yeah and, and then it just takes a conversation that you overhear or that you become aware of and you're just like oh my god we've got so much work to do we oh there's so, so much, much to, do. Work to do definitely and, and just being understanding of each other yeah. like I had a I remember talking to Lecky about this I had a lady who was she had postnatal depression anxiety you know hers came out as anxiety that's that was her main thing really extreme anxiety and she'd forced herself to go out to a coffee shop and just you know be out of her comfort zone mm. and to prove to herself that she could still go out and have a coffee and she was telling me that she um and I mean telling me through sobs you know she was really upset and telling me that she was trying to get the baby on and the baby was you know when babies are really over hungry and overtired and they flail and and so she was trying to latch the baby on and and then he he was flailing and he kicked her coffee over and it went everywhere but at that moment he then latched and calmed down so she was like but so she was like oh okay so she had a moment of feeling better but then on the other table there was a bunch of other mums who all were laughing and kind of doing this like oh oh god you know kind of almost kind of ridiculing her a little bit and she said in that moment she felt so ashamed and embarrassed and she just cried and she said so I'm there there's coffee everywhere the baby's just latched so I don't want to get him off I'm crying because these girls are being really mean to me and I just thought god that's not okay that's not okay we have to be more understanding of other women and what they're going through mm. you know and that's why it's really important to these podcasts because it hopefully it will reach people that aren't in our little kind of mm. world yeah that, you know it, it has a further reach and um and that's why it's so important and why I jumped at the chance of being on this podcast yeah. and I think we've all got those stories I can mm. remember being on a train up to London because um one of the things that I just the coping mechanism was I couldn't be in the flat I had to be out you know when I was surrounded by people it felt safer um even strangers it felt it felt Mm. better than being at home with my own thoughts and um yes I was on a train back from London and it was a hot day and I timed it all wrong and uh it was uh rush hour and he was screaming crying you know when they're just hot tired bit hungry Mm. like there was nothing I could do until I got to Brighton on this thing and I just thought I can't get him out I can't get him out the buggy because if I get him out the buggy it's just I can't carry him the buggy I can't maneuver it all so he's just the best thing for him to do is just stay in the buggy and I know it's not okay that he's sobbing and crying but I can't do anything about it anyway this was going on and I was trying to soothe him and stuff but 
anyway, this woman sat, stood up and screamed across like half the carriage to me. If you're not going to hug your own bloody baby, then I will. And I, and I just, and wow. I know, and I was just like, oh my goodness. And in that moment, I needed somebody mm. to say, you're doing your best. This is okay. You're doing your best. This is, you know, you've, <laughs> this is the best that you can do right now and it's okay. And the opinions and the conversations and the things that other women say to each other is just not okay Mm. Um, and this goes Mm. further than pregnancy and babies and postnatal depression um you know and it goes further than we need to be kind to each other we just need to have a bit of empathy Mm. and we need to just think you know everybody is just doing their best with what they have at the time and um you know, and that needs to be our mantra. When we see something that maybe isn't okay or yeah. we're a bit concerned about, we just we need to have that mm. inner dialogue that do you know what they're doing their best with Absolutely. the situation? Yeah. Rather uh, than saying to you, they could have come over and said to you, Are you oh all God. right? Can I help you in any way? <laughs> yeah. Was there anything I can you. do? And do you know what happened? You. Oh, she screamed at me. She she really did. And do you know what happened just after that? There was a man in a suit, businessman and stuff. He got his iPad out. Um, and he got Peppa Pig up and he mm. said, would this help? Aww. And I was like, Aww. oh God. And then I started crying. And of course it did help because it's mm. like Peppa Pig. I mean, Peppa Pig in any situation helps, doesn't it? And, yes. and I just thought, that's what love we need. Peppa Pig. And this is coming for, you know, how can I have that ex- that experience with a woman? And then a I was going to literally yeah, say that. Yeah, exactly. oh, don't uh, Us as women, don't we just, you know, put, don't we just you know shame ourselves sometimes yeah. really and we judge each other mm, and judging we are, all, um, we are all and I'm not gonna say that I never judge other women because I do because it's part of our makeup and it's part of you know historically mm. hundreds and thousands of years of all of this but we have to start changing the narrative and we are just at the beginning of this mm. we are just mm. at the beginning but it's it's wise women like us mm. that are going to change the world um, Absolutely, and it's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's that old, you know, it's that old idea that you know, by pulling another woman down doesn't help you get up. Like it's just no. bad. It's just no. bad vibes all over, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. And you know, and a lot of the stuff that I deal with. Funny enough, I don't. I you know that there is a time and a place for coaching it's not therapy it's it's mm. not um counseling so i don't tend to see women at that point of postnatal depression you know when they're in it but it's it's years yeah. later so i do the majority of women that i see in my one-to-one coaching um their kids are a bit older kind of four or five upwards but it's all around the pragmatic stuff the simple stuff and it's the stuff mm. that we feel shame over you know I had I had uh, one lady and her coaching ended up you know it kind of it's it's a conversation basically but very much a guided conversation and um <laughs> the, the, it, it, we came to the end of, she had four sessions with me and she said Mary she said I'm really embarrassed this whole coaching sessions have been about me drinking water and she said, how do I tell people that I've had four hours of your time? And the crux of it has been, you know, you've been helping me with with goals and um, reflection and setting and, and talking about, you know, h- how to nourish my body with water. And, and I was like, but this is the whole point of it. You know, she came to me and I, 
you know, wanting to, you know, wanting big change, wanting something really, really dramatic to happen. She didn't, didn't, wasn't enjoying her life at the time. And actually when we got into the nitty gritty of it, it was, um, yeah, it was about drinking water. Every, every, so she went from not drinking water at all, coffee and Coke and stuff, all of all, that was empty. And she, she said, you know, one of the aha moments was that when she when she drank water, a glass of water, it made her feel better. And by the end of the coaching session, she was she had water bottles everywhere. You know, she was drinking water. Her skin was better. She felt healthy. She had more energy. She was no longer having headaches. You know, she was like, oh my goodness, this changed my life. And it was drinking water. Yeah. You know, this is and it was at that point. This was a few years ago, and I was like, "Wow, okay, this is where my coaching is. It's, it's very pragmatic. It's very simple. It's very getting to underneath. You know, looking at people's routines, mm. um, particularly for those of us that are parents. However, we become mothers. You know, is we're the last on the list, and we've all heard that before. We all mm. we all know that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We've got empty cups and all the rest of it. But it's yeah, what are you going to do about it? So. <laughs> so it's yeah. how are you going to do it? And it's it? the simple things. Absolutely. It's the simple things, isn't it, that you forget yeah. when you're busy. And although, and it's usually the simple things that give people the most aha moments because you're like, oh shit, I've got to breathe. Yeah. I forgot to breathe. You know, exactly. it's kind of like I was working with a woman recently who's been shallow breathing and, and it's given her really bad back and chest pain. And it's like, actually, we forget to take big breaths when we're really running on empty and we're stressed and it's little things like that that like you say that often it's it's not big stuff it's really little stuff stuff. we really want it to be big stuff we can always think that it we need big change so when there's something that we when we're in where we're in the bit that we don't like what we see in front of us we don't like you know ourselves very much we don't like the situation that we're in very much you know we can think that it needs big change that it that it's like okay when I meet that man on tinder or um when I leave my husband or when I um have another baby when I move to Mallorca and live in my villa with a pool and a pool boy uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Aperol spritzes on tap um nice. that my life is gonna be better and um it's just not true it's it's in the symbol stuff it's in our routines it's mm. in the things that we do every day it's in the habits whether we whether they're healthy habits unhealthy habits it's 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 in that place that we that we find that we find ourselves i guess mm. and and we sit with the shit we we literally sit with the stuff that's making us feel uncomfortable that's not 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 making us feel good and we make a decision we make a choice and I think that was the thing that was missing for so much of Albie's early life was I didn't feel like I had a choice mm-hmm. I thought everything was you know laid out for me and, and I didn't have a choice of what to do and I um yeah and, and I was just in that in that state of of this is my life mm-hmm. now yeah Lek and I talk a lot about this with our ladies that that you know back in the day you were in a red tent with all the other women and all the other women were holding you up and everything you know you supported each other and and there was someone who was giving you the wisdom and there was someone who was holding you accountable and you know and actually a lot of women and there was a friend who was breastfeeding your baby while you had a nap exactly (laughs) and actually let's not knock that no exactly and and I think because of the kind of work that we work in we are surrounded by a lot of those amazing women because we work mm. with in in the birth world and so I do often feel very lucky that I've got a real sense of that but 
Lots of women that we work with don't have that. They don't have those connections. They don't have anyone, you know, just reminding them about drinking water and about breathing. Mm. And I think that's why something that you do is so great because it's almost like replacing that that red tent kind of thing you know someone you can go to and all of the all of the women and it is I mean I have coached the old man but it is mainly women um uh, you know that says to me afterwards my goodness Mary you know I felt heard I felt listened Mm. to Mm. and I'm just it's such an honor to hold that space for women and um yeah it really validates them doesn't it really validates what they're going through and sometimes that is all you need Mm -hmm. is someone that just says yeah it's okay to yeah, feel that is, way yeah and this is shit and that's that's okay yeah what do we do about it let's find yeah. some practical ways of you know f- helping you really and and this is one of the reasons you know why i champion you bloody lovely too so much is because you know in hindsight <laughs> it was a wonderful thing and i didn't know that all this stuff was available to me when i was having albie and you know i would have loved to have been in that circle of women and and yeah having a doula at my cesarean plan cesarean birth you know I didn't even think that that was an option um mm. I, just, I can remember them asking me you can bring your, your a cd in if you like and it was near Christmas that was the one thing that I had a control over uh, obviously it was Michael Buble Christmas I was just gonna say was it Buble <laughs> <laughs> obviously uh, yeah I think Albie was came out of my tummy like you know and even that abdominal birth I mean that's such a mm. new word you know and I think and like I've talked to you both before about this you know I don't feel and, and even now when I can see my growing child in front of me asking me for more time on Minecraft and uh you know I don't feel like I gave birth you know, just feel like I had an operation and then had a baby, you know, and that was so much part of it, you know, had the language been different, you know, oh, you're going to have an abdominal birth, you know, yes, okay, that, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a birth. And I think I was just so focused with all the IVF and stuff that I'd had before. So we had eight years of fertility treatment. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so I got married and thought, right, this is how you do it. You get married and you get pregnant and you have a baby. Um, and I can remember putting on my wedding list. I mean, I had such a fun time doing my wedding list. Uh, gift, you know, the gift list when you go around yes. and you write everything down. And uh, and I put all this baking stuff, like these muffin <laughs> trays and different size loaf tins and a penny and bowls and, you know, all the baking stuff. Because I just had this image in my head of me in a penny in the kitchen um with all these children kind of running around my legs me baking cakes and that that was my image of motherhood and that's what I thought I was in for that's what I thought was gonna happen you know and eight years later miscarriages you know RUI IVF Clomid oh my god so much poking around you wouldn't believe here he was you know this I I couldn't ever get further than this positive pregnancy test um and yeah I just I I, it was a real unbelievable situation and it was that it's too good to be true you know this doesn't happen to me um I'm waiting for something to go wrong yes you know just waiting for something to happen waiting for there to be blood in my knickers um you know that knicker checking thing that that never stops you know even eight months in I was still you know I could feel his limbs inside me but I would still check my knickers for blood and um 
yeah just unbelievable and actually being able to talk about stuff like that you know you're the first women that I was mm. able to talk about it was like yeah do you, oh my god you did that I did that you know everything about that kind of whole medical system is is you're so alone there's so many things that you have to do deal with on your own and so of course what happened was we ended up really focusing on all the practical stuff right we've got an appointment on Tuesday for uh you know a review of all the drugs um you know we've got this we've got blood tests on Wednesday we've got this on Thursday we focused on all the practical stuff and took all of the emotional well-being and everything all of that stuff just got pushed to one side because it's like okay this is how we are able to deal with this we focus on the practical stuff because if we talk about it and actually talk about the statistics and how we're feeling and and how we want to parent and and how we want that to look like we're just gonna be disappointed we're just gonna you know we couldn't handle that hope mary to be on such high alert all the time must have been exhausting for you and your husband at the time absolutely yeah and um so when so yeah so albie so it was our last ivf basically you get too fresh and too frozen goes in mm-hmm. Sussex and I know it's different everywhere it's probably different now I don't know but I didn't collect to have polycystic ovaries mm-hmm. and um so I never really collected many eggs so we only, only ended up having two fresh goes there weren't enough to freeze so it was our last go and I can remember coming around from the egg collection and saying kind of how many did you get how many did you get still kind of out of it from from the anesthetic and stuff and and they said four we got four and I was like oh my god that's it it's over that's it that's not enough um you know that's that's it that's that's done because Damien and I had spoken and we'd said you know where do we stop you know we've Mm. got to we've got to draw a line and I can remember this nurse saying, and it was the one kind of kind thing I remember about it. She goes, it only takes one. We just need one oh, little leg. Yeah. Uh, and I can, and I really focused on that. And that was mm-hmm. the one kind of kind thing I can remember about that time. And then of course the whole process of it fertilizing and I'm ringing the lab and mm-hmm. seeing how the eggs are doing. Cause I've actually got a photograph of, of Albia's eight cells, mm-hmm. little wow. cells. Have I ever shown you it? It's mate, no. it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the Petri dish. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, so he was made in a Petri dish in a fridge in Hove. And <laughs> um, yeah, so they put two, so two eggs fertilised, they put both back and you aren't supposed to test until a certain day but yeah. of course I tested earlier than that I tested every day and, I, and I've got a picture of the pregnancy tests I used to mm. used to write on them with marker pen Monday a.m and then I used to watch the little blue line and then and it, and it came up and I kept thinking oh shit I'm not supposed to test for like another week and then I took another one and I, I was watching it going darker and then it went lighter again and I was like fuck 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 keeping this all in I hadn't even told mm. Damien you know and I was hiding these pregnancy tests and things till I could finally talk about it and I was like I think it's worked you know I think it is and then it was the right I can't do anything so I just laid on the sofa I basically didn't even want to walk in case mm. it caused it to go and we had a scan at six weeks and there were two little heartbeats um and yeah and it was quite incredible so I had an inter part of the IVF you know you get an internal kind of six week um scan and and then at eight weeks I uh went to the loo knicker checking and I was bleeding and there was blood 
and I was at work and I can remember just I couldn't even speak let alone breathe I was such a mess and my boss at the time just swooped I was just like blood you know just bleeding Mm. of babies and um because they'd been with me every step of the way and she just picked me up and rushed me got in the car (laughs) took me up to the early pregnancy unit at the Sussex and she just screamed at this and she goes IVF eight years (laughs) pregnant with twins bleeding (laughs) eight weeks and literally they just shoved me into this room and they got the scanner thing out and I was like no you're not going to see anything Mm. you've got to go through my vagina not my tummy and they're like no look we've done this before it's fine it's okay and um and there was Albie and I've got the little picture of like this tiny little thing yeah just and it was like he was looking at me to say look I'm all right mum you know just let me get on with it I've I've a little jelly bean yeah exactly and uh, every time every time that there was so my body didn't cope very well at all with being pregnant I had very high blood pressure um, and uh, I think it was 200 over 120 at one point, which oh, wow. <laughs> Alexis. I'm twitching. I'm literally twitching. <laughs> um, so oh, I was Mary. stuffed full of methyl dopa, which is mm. a, a really nice drug to be taking. So it's a blood pressure tablet that it's from the 60s, uh, I think 50s or 60s. That was when it was kind of made. Mm. And oh my God, I felt so ill. They just kept upping and upping and upping the dose. Uh, about 20 weeks, I had my first kind of inpatient in the hospital where they, I went to the doctors for a checkup and my blood pressure was too high. So it was an ambulance to hospital and it was like, right, we might, you know, this might be an early baby um, because your body isn't coping very well. And it was, and then my blood pressure would come down and they'd be like, okay, we can go home, but it's bed rest. I only get up to go to the toilet. So I was like, okay. Um, and it literally went like that from about 22 weeks it was in and out of hospital at 24 weeks they thought he was going to come early so they prepped us and they said you know he probably won't cry you know we'll have to whisk him away straight away um and they showed us the early baby unit um Sussex and all the machines and the incredible work they do there it was mind-blowing And then my blood pressure came down again. (laughs) So I went home again and it was just, it was like that for a good 10 weeks. And I can remember having a consultant appointment. Mm. I think I was about 34 weeks. And I can remember saying, just being in tears, just saying, I feel so unwell. Um, As soon as it's safe, can we get him out? And uh, they were like, okay, well, let's wait till 36 weeks. It's deemed um, full term. And so, yeah, and well, and so it was really odd knowing the day, mm. the birthday <laughs> before yeah. beforehand. Um, so he was born 36 weeks on the dot. And the last thing I can remember really feeling was them pulling him out of my tummy and him crying because I'd been so built up for it not mm. to be like that, for him not to cry when he came out. And it, and it was almost like at that point, everything shut off, mm-hmm. like everything closed down. I can remember going, oh my God, he's crying, he's alive, he's crying, mm-hmm. he's, he's alive. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, everything just shut down. Yeah. I can totally because, imagine it. Yeah, because it was too much. A live mm. baby. Mm. And one of my best friends, Kerry, at the time, I, when I we were talking in hospital, obviously, and stuff, mm. and I don't remember any of these conversations. And Kerry said um, that I said to her that uh, they're going to come and take him in a minute because they're going to, you know, those movies that you watch where mm. they have the 
they swap the babies and they don't realize and all the rest of it because mm. i just didn't believe that he was mine yeah and i kept checking so, his little wrist thing you know making sure it said albie meadows <laughs> such a long fertility journey for you yeah. mary and yeah. so much anxiety and so much mm. adrenaline and then you know feeling like you're always checking yourself and having bleeding and yeah. all of obviously the the special circumstances of your pregnancy it, mm. it just feels to me like it's hardly a surprise than afterwards. You know, I always say to to couples I'm working with, you know, what goes up has to come down when we talk about mm. adrenaline. And mm. I feel like exactly as you said there, being that high, that buzzing on adrenaline for mm. so long, at some point it had to plummet. It just yeah, makes sense, absolutely. doesn't it? And yeah. throw into the mix what happens anyway postnatally with your estrogen, your progesterone just mm. dropping a hundred times itself. I, I just, I can see how that could happen. The lack of support as well, you know, sort of like you say in our culture, it's quite a pragmatic approach. It's like, okay, well, you've got your baby now and now you go yeah. home and now you have to feed mm. and feed every mm. three hours. And, you know, and it's like, well, where do you process what you've just gone through? You know, where's mm. your space to kind of, still like love your baby but also like deal a little bit with with how scared you were and how unwell you felt and mm. you know what mm. big emotions you were feeling and I think this is the problem that we're so busy being mum that that gets suppressed and then it like it has to come out another mm. way so it ends up coming out in anxiety or illness or you yeah. know so or but, eight know. or nine ten years later you know there's yeah. still stuff that I'm feeling now that hasn't Definitely. been processed from that time I mean yeah, yeah it's massive because you know it gets to the point it's like right I've got a healthy baby now and I've got to get on with it really and um and there was no emotional support at all and um and then he was in and out of hospital as well so um yeah, there was all that to deal with as well. But I, I can remember feeling quite safe at hospital and it was almost like I, I wanted to be in hospital because there was somebody checking me, there was someone checking him, there was there was there was that medical thing going on. Um so I quite enjoyed our stays in hospital because I felt safe. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Just as a bit of a side note here for anyone who's listening that's thinking, oh my goodness, I felt that, I feel that, I know someone who's going through that. And I just think that, talk about it, like tell somebody how you're feeling, don't feel ashamed of that so much more common than you would realise. There are incredible charities like Pandas that do work, they have a, a phone number that you can ring every single day, your midwife, your health visitor, your partner, your friend. Like, I think you went through such a lot Mary and then to have any sort of like you say you've and I and I now might be putting words into your mouth but I would assume from a lot of IVF parents I've spoken to um and parents that have been on other fertility journeys 
One of my friends who had twins after a five-year fertility journey said she actually felt very low after her boys arrived, but was petrified to say anything because didn't that make her the most ungrateful mother (laughs) who had wanted these babies so long Mm. and then had been hit actually quite hard with with PND after their Mm. arrival. Mm. And I was like, absolutely not. And I I also think I'm always, um, I choose my language very carefully when I talk to new mothers, not in a professional way, because I I don't really deal with with that that close to kind of round birth. I leave that to you lot. But I always choose my language very carefully because I can remember part of the the problem was the denial, you know, Mm. and the, the fakeness that I had to do, you know, because so many people were involved in the IVF journey because so flipping annoyingly you know from the moment you're married isn't so pregnant yet uh you know and then people stop Mm. asking you think why are they stopping asking this is the point I want to talk about it Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and and I can remember bumping into so many people oh my god this is your dream come true this is what you've wished for for eight years you know so you must feel amazing and they'll be like yeah (laughs) and and people people put things on us don't they it's it's quite great and and to be fair Mary as you said earlier nobody's perfect we probably put things on to other people and we don't realize that we've said something insensitive exactly so so it's really important that our language changes about that and that we do continue to talk about it and that we do have that space for people Mm. to talk about it and and even if it is five years later or 10 years later you know there's still a place for these conversations to happen there's still you know a place for those tears Absolutely. Mary, on on that note, how do you check in these days with yourself (laughs) mental health wise? So yes, so it is all about the basic stuff. So I I journal quite a bit, mm-hmm. not in a, um, I mean, I like to call it writing in a notebook because journaling sounds I'm like, like I'm sitting there with candles lit and a writing desk with a, you know, steaming cup of tea. Um, and it's not like that at all. So it's like a few words <laughs> in the morning, a few words in the evening. If I miss a couple of days, don't beat myself up. And but I try at least every seven days every, at the weekend at some point to have a bit of reflection so it's like really simple stuff so like what what's gone well this week what not so well you know what what do I want more of what do I want less of you know and this isn't about a to-do list this is about how I'm doing Mm -hmm. and how I'm feeling Um, and this isn't something that that you get brilliant at because you're a life coach this is something that is a lifelong adventure this is something that I'm gonna be struggling with in 10 years time it's that one that looking inwards it's really hard because Mm. as human beings we want to move away from pain don't we we we, we want to you know we're we're told oh uh you know yeah happy is the you know we want people to smile I think one of the things that we're struggling at the moment with the face masks isn't it with the face coverings is that we can't see people's smiles we can't we can't see how they're feeling from their face can we so yeah so it's a it's it's going inwards and it's it's thinking how you're feeling you know and sometimes it's really hard because sometimes having had postnatal depression depression all of that I am very unused to to feeling noting how I'm noticing how I'm feeling and sometimes you can't put a label on it sometimes it's like I just feel mm. <laughs> um and it's and it's knowing the signs it's knowing the things that you know I'm on a wonky path at the moment and um these are the things that bring me back 
um, mm. these are the things that that support me and nourish me and and knowing what those things are I think that, I, I, I agree and I think it's about knowing yourself Becky knows this about me because I do I do struggle a bit with anxiety still now it's not perinatal because uh, my youngest is four years old but it's definitely still there but I have good coping mechanisms and I majority of the time I'm able to bring in you know things that can help me along the way and Becky knows one of the things I will do is if I feel a bit uh, just out of sorts just not okay in myself I've become quite good at noticing it and the first thing I hit is a sleeping routine that's going to nourish me and you know this Becky I will just take to my bed as soon as the kids are in bed for like a few nights on the trot and and I think I find it quite triggering when I'm not sleeping well because when I was in the height of my anxiety and depression my sleep pattern just disappeared I was so wakeful in the night and that in itself became a cause of huge anxiety with me I'm not going to sleep tonight I know I'm not going to sleep tonight and I'd toss and turn in bed and it would just be awful um, and then mm. I'd become really panicky. And so I go back to that always with myself, an, an early night. Of, and obviously I'm not saying that will fix it for everybody. But for me, it's one of the first things I will turn to and it it works quite well. Yeah, but sleep deprivation makes everything feel worse as well, doesn't it? Oh, so but much. the other thing I really love that you do, um, and I remember the first time you did it, I thought, God, that's such a good idea is you will say to me, I'm not feeling great at the moment. Would you keep an eye on me and let me know if you think if you think I'm kind mm. of acting a bit out of sorts and it's so nice to to hand that over mm. to somebody else and actually as a as a friend as a colleague it's an honor to keep an eye on you you're like yeah of course I will you know and then I might you know might say oh you know you okay if you bit, yeah. you know let's do some writing lists and you know and it's really kind of again bringing people in and I think that because we have this stiff upper lip in this sort of stoic response to parenting I think I feel like our culture doesn't invite that enough you know and it's really good to say to somebody actually do you know what could you just keep an eye on me just just for the moment I'm feeling a little bit wobbly picking picking someone you really trust so for Mm. me generally and it's who I see most of the time is Dan and Becky and I'll say to them both just so you're aware I'm not okay at the moment just could you keep a little eye (laughs) and honestly it just it makes you feel a bit safer it's funny and so lots of mums feel overwhelmed because obviously becoming a parent is a huge transition and like we've already said you know there isn't enough support ceremony ritual whatever you want around it what are your top tips Mary you've talked about journaling Lecky you've talked about sleep but are there any do you have like a set right these are like five things you must look into when you're coaching women it's also individual that's the thing and there there is no prescriptive five things which is yeah I know that's it wouldn't annoying. It be good? I know that's an annoying answer. <laughs> what, um, Mary? And not, and not what you want to hear. But unfortunately, <laughs> tell us. Um, and that's like, I suppose that's one of the tips, if you like, is that there isn't yeah. a prescriptive thing. There isn't a book that you can read that mm. will sort your shit out. There isn't um, a course you can take. There isn't. There isn't this magic wand. Yeah, it's it's about knowing yourself, mm. and it's about yeah. yeah. So it's it's this is such an annoying answer. Isn't it? No, no, it's good. And actually, we do say it's about the you know we've already touched on this a little bit. It's about the little things. So yes, we often talk absolutely. about in our workshops. It's much better to do lots of little nice things for yeah. yourself over the week yeah. than take one whole day out yeah. to, and you know, this, go. You, you're going to get more out of the little and often, yeah, aren't you? Exactly. And this isn't about the fluffy bubble baths. This, you know, it's not about the kind of 
you know this is and I think this is part of the problem mm. like self-care you talk about self-care and we've talked about this before in the workshops we've done you know you get an eye roll don't you it's like yeah mm, whatever yeah. um and it's and it's and it's working out what that means to you yeah. so so self-care for me is drinking water um is is um lowering the coffee intake you know mm-hmm. that those kind of things you know if, knowing what builds my anxiety and my stress Mm. and makes me feel worse you know so like one of the things that I do is I make my circle really small and you probably notice this you know I go very quiet and that's the that's the point where I you know usually Mm. one of my friends will go are you okay yeah Mm. (laughs) um or know that I'm not okay Mm. and you know You've had lots of cards in the post and stuff like that. Things like that are really supportive for me. And um, but yeah, so making your circle small, just just you know, cancelling things in your diary. Mm. Um, I think this is one of the major things over the last uh, kind of four months or so is that everybody's feeling you know that having nothing in that diary was actually mm. wow look look how busy we can make ourselves and we can make mm. ourselves busy without anything in the diary as well you know that's that's entirely possible as well yeah um look at all yeah. those zoom quizzes and <laughs> i never want to get an <laughs> they've invite. all disappeared know, suddenly exactly. haven't they <laughs> yeah. um you know but it's it's um okay so yeah so i suppose one of the the major things is knowing what's important to you so knowing your Mm. values which is one of the kind of exercises I do the most I imagine with my workshops with my clients and something we've talked about before um so knowing what's important to us our values are things that you know they they can carry on from our, our parents from our childhood from old relationships things that are important to other people tend to then be important so the things that are important to me are probably important mm. to Albie because he's picking up on the my values and and that's how we live and the first thing that kind of goes out of sorts is it's because I explain it do you remember that McDonald's advert uh, that all of us are way off topic now <laughs> gosh years ago when we used to actually watch adverts where it said it was a, for their chicken nuggets and it said uh, now with 100% breast meat do you remember that advert? Mm-hmm. I do I think I, I do of, yeah. yeah anyway and I can remember thinking what the fuck what the fuck was in there before 100% <laughs> breast meat and, and it made me feel so it like ugh and I was like, okay, so, and and that is that my response to that was because at the time, my values, nothing matched what that was, you know, the fact, the secrecy, the, what the hell is in my food, you know, it didn't mm. match my, my values. So when we have a, a mm. the thing is we don't tend to respond to those things enough so for example with friends and I think we'd all agree as we're kind of going into our 40s or already in there for some of us um you know as our friendship groups get much smaller because the values that we we hold dear you know Mm. aren't necessarily important to other people and we find Mm -hmm. that out and it's like almost like a veil is lifted it's like okay well that doesn't make me feel good so okay that's not for me and and I'm okay with that now I'm okay mm. with do you know what that's not okay or no I don't want to do that and I will tell you no I don't want to do that um yeah. so I think it's kind of being more honest with yourself and like you know you're 
living your values is is the way to a balanced life where we don't have these massive stress points these massive mm. overwhelms and the reason that we do is because that we do things that are against our values that don't make us feel good and and we know they yeah. don't make us feel good but we carry mm. on doing them and we carry on doing them yeah. because we want to put our heads in the sand and like, oh, it's a bit hard. It's a bit hard to be honest. It's a bit hard to be honest with myself. It's a bit hard to be honest with my friends that that's not something yeah. that I want to do. That's not something that I like doing or this isn't good for me. Um, yeah. And we're such creatures of, we're such creatures of habit as well, aren't we as humans? Yeah. It's I mean, like I laugh. Yeah, no, I laugh because when I run my antenatal classes, one thing that always comes up is every single week, all my couples will sit in the same place they sat next <laughs> week. And I'll always go, no, you know, let's spice it up this week. Let's get you in different places, talking yeah. to different people. We just like to feel like, no, that's that's where I feel safe. That's kind of like my and comfort zone. Exactly. And it's that comfortable feeling, isn't it? And it's, again, it's that mm. moving away from pain. Because if I sit near, you know, if it might be that, oh my God, if I sit too close to you, you might pick on me and like, like ask me things mm. and I don't want to do that. So I'm going to sit at the yeah. back. Um, you know, there's so many things that guide our behaviours and habits. And, and that's the place to start, really. That's the thing. That's the kind of stuff to look underneath mm. and to start peeling back those layers of, okay, well, what's that about and um mm. yeah and and uh, yeah and and just finding healthier coping mechanisms and I think it's really yeah. easy and it was very interesting actually the lockdown periods because all our usual coping mechanisms weren't in place and I know we've had a discussion about this and certainly for me the hugging and the touching of mm. people was was not there and yeah. I yeah. didn't realize quite how much Lex I relied mm. on that you know running past on the school run I know. <laughs> yeah I know. um you know that that connection with people that physical mm. connection with people that used to happen for me mm. every day um and so so it's very easy to replace mm. that kind of stuff with un unhealthy coping mechanisms yeah. and it's really interesting to know and coming kind of out of it now it's like okay so connection is actually vital to my well-being vital to how I feel every day so how am I going to make the most of that you know ideally I'd hug people that's not okay just yet <laughs> but you know how am I going to get that is it a whatsapp mm. message is it you know we have we're in quite a few that you know just that check-in thing that that mm. helps you know or there might be some people that really hate whatsapp and, yeah. and don't find that helpful and it's which case what is that what is it yeah. that you do find helpful and where are mm. you getting that sense of connection from mary you're an amazing solo <laughs> mama to albie obviously your human baby and to your fur baby george <laughs> who is very very cute with his little tongue that pokes out um and I just wonder when you think about perhaps other women going through separations, divorces, and as you would call it, rewriting their fairy tale, mm. you know, starting a new life, a different life, what would be your little, you know, golden nuggets of wisdom that you would perhaps share with them that you've learned along the way? I think the first thing that comes to mind is that you're doing it, even though you're going to yeah. sit there in your sobbing times um thinking i can't do it i can't do that how mm. the hell do i do this i can't do it you're doing it you're 
it's going to be fine. And I can remember when it first happened, the tears just would not stop. Mm. And Albie was about nearly two, 18 months, two. And, it, and, um, and I can remember him saying, mama, you know, her, and he was looking for like a, a fall or a scratch or some blood or something. <laughs> and, mm. and I, and I can remember putting my hand on my heart and I was like, no, it hurts here. You know, you can't see it. It's in my mm. heart. And then I'd take him off to nursery and I'd literally drop him off at nursery at eight o'clock in the morning, go back home and just cry mm. uh, until I had to pick him up again. And I, and I picked him up at six o'clock at night, you know, it's a, mm. it's a full day. And he said, no crying. Is it better now? Better now, mummy. I remember shit, Aww. thinking shit. He's been, he's, he was, he's aware of this, you mm. know, whatever it is, he doesn't understand it, but he's aware of it. Um, so I would just like to say to any parents, you know, that this mm. is, you, we're going to fuck them up one way or another and this is not going to be the thing that does it okay mm. it's it's how we talk about it it's how we react we still to Albie and I still say actually do you know what my heart hurts we still talk about that now so mm. I think talking about it finding a way a, a language that is understood whatever age mm. your kids are you know that it's okay that things don't work out all the time yeah, you know absolutely. we can't be expected you know we can't have this married with two kids in a nice mortgaged house as our goals anymore we've got to sort that out it doesn't happen um yeah. you know this this you know hard work and you know mm. good grades and things like that you know mm. I can hear that narrative coming in now Albie's kind of at that age where he's getting in into school and grades and behavior and how we're rewarding that and what it means to work hard at you know because he, he was talking to me um yesterday about grades he was like a plus is really good grade isn't it and like f is is you know it's not good is it because then i won't get into university and, I, and like he's only just kind of repeating probably what youtubers have said or something but <laughs> you know but we're starting to have that conversation and we've got to yeah. get it out of our heads that that there's this mm. one big goal that everybody totally. should strive towards um and fam, you know, work out what family looks like to you and what, what home looks like to you um, and build there, start there. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's going to be shit. There's going to be times where you can't even take your bins out because mm. your baby's in sleep in the bed. And I can remember that being a real bone of contention that I couldn't even take my bloody bins out um uh, there's going to be moments where you're sitting on the stairs where bedtime has gone horribly wrong mm. and there is no one to tag <laughs> there is no one to say you deal with that because I am done um you know that there, there isn't going to be that and so you know find your coping mechanisms mm -hmm. and as much as your friends are going to want to help they're not going to be there at nine o'clock at night when bedtime is going really but as much as they say they ring me I I can remember having lots of conversations and YouTube do it now actually you say well, ring me if you need me ring me but I never would because in that moment I might ring you afterwards but mm. in that moment in that time there isn't anybody it's just you it's just you there isn't mm. there there isn't anybody else that can help you know I know Lex you would mm. love to come put Albie to bed but if I was to you know by the time you got there the moment would have passed do you know what I mean and actually yeah. should we should we just live together and just put our yes. kids to, to bed together exactly exactly <laughs> <Big homie>. <laughs> <laughs> but do you Absolutely. see what I mean in that yeah, moment totally. so in that moment Definitely. all you've got is you mm. and you know I often get described as strong and brave and all those the, all those words it, you know and at those moments I feel anything but I feel like a little mm. puddle on the floor yeah 
but it's yeah. the thing it's the building of resilience because I've gone through yes. so many of those times where I've been a puddle on the floor and it's like well I handled that yes. <laughs> you know so yeah. you know and, and that's what I remind myself of mm. in those situations it's like Mary this has been worse you know this this you yeah. have survived that you survived that you survived that you know you have got a hundred percent record of of surviving this yeah. so let it in cry scream whatever you have to do sit on the kitchen floor sobbing uh with the dog at two o'clock in the morning you know you do what you need to do but but you will have such resilience you know there Mm. is and that is kind of what I'm most proud of I guess one of the skills and Mm. things that I have that is stronger than ever and the best thing and I wouldn't have it any other way I love that you bring up resilience Mary and going back to what you were just saying a minute ago I think in my more sort of my newbie years of being a parent, I think I really did stick by that cliche as I just want the kids to be happy. And when they're grown up, it doesn't matter what they do as long as they're happy. And I've heard through so many different terminals now, and I really feel like it revolves around this resilience idea that actually it's, it doesn't do our kids any favours by putting that expectation on them that their life is going to be happy all the time. That is not realistic. Yeah. Like, and and I love that song where sunscreen, you know, the Baz Luhrmann one. I love that basically the sentiment in it at some point, and if you haven't listened to it, you know, that 1990s song, if you haven't listened to it in a few years, go back and, and whack it into Spotify because it's amazing. But I, I love the message in there that it's not actually always going to be the big things either. It's that random thing that will happen on a Tuesday afternoon that will floor you and if we haven't set expectations for our kids in their lives that there will be moments when they are on their knees but that you'll come back from that then I think we're doing them a disservice I really do absolutely and I think you know and it's trying to hide those tears in those early days actually taught me that and it was like Mm. no actually Albie needs to see me feeling everything yes he needs to see me cry be angry you know the angry is another thing that's that Mm. people find really hard um it's not about happy all the time it really isn't and um yeah and we are doing them a disservice and so it is and not everybody is as open with their feelings and emotions as the next person you know again it's a very personal thing Mm. and it's working out what's okay for you but the biggest skill I'd like to think I'm teaching Albie is resilience Mm. and and is and it is the fact that yeah okay well that was a bit shit wasn't it but you know yeah Mm. we're we're over it now we're 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 through it um and that is the only way yeah and I think you appreciate those those happy moments yeah. and those those things so much more from experiencing the mm. the shit stuff and letting it in that's like the deeper meaning Definitely. to a going on a bear hunt isn't it you yeah. can't go over it yes. you can't go under it you have to go through it, to go through it. and I think exactly. you, so yeah. many books I love I love the parallels with adult emotions that yeah. so many books have gently and very cleverly intertwined into their narrative mm. I really do and do you know my favourite is yeah. uh, and I won't let Albie get rid of it because we keep having to clear out of his books and stuff I'm like no that is not leaving I, I will put it on my bookshelf um, it's Peace at Last oh yes I love, yeah. I love it <laughs> I mean I'd like to see a few more kind of single parent families and things mm-hmm. kind of in children's books but yeah apart from that and yeah. um and i've got the narrative is getting better it really isn't it? As is. in more people are, again it comes it. to talking you, about yeah, you it you have to look yeah, for okay. it and yeah. um and actually i keep forgetting to recommend these books to you actually about childbirth and i wanted to talk about albie's asking me about sex and stuff and i wanted to talk about uh pregnancy and birth and stuff in a 
in a non 2.4 vaginal birth way mm-hmm. and you know sperm meets egg kind of thing and I yeah. found these couple of books I mean I really had to look for them but they they cover kind of IVF and adoption and you know they mm. they cover it all mm. in that way that it's just it, it, they're just yeah. brilliant and it was so amazing to find something that actually mm. represented my story I feel like they're growing up with a sort of um a much more varied idea like you like I think our generation it was very much that sort of cornflake family wasn't it yeah. that sort of you know you have have your 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 mum and your dad and your two kids and kind of and I remember our youngest when she was about six just randomly dropping into a conversation that she wasn't going to get married I'm not going to get married and we were like oh okay she's like yeah I don't really want a husband and we were like okay do you want a wife she's like nah I think I'll just get a donor and have a kid and a dog (laughs) we were like okay cool but I I kind of loved that she was like there's There's a lot of ways I can do this you know and and was quite you know and obviously it changes daily but yeah I just thought great because that was never even in my you know my mind that that was an option when I was a kid so well there's Disney princess movies and stuff you know that's what we're taught isn't it yeah Prince Charming exactly. and all the rest of it, you know, and it's, yeah. yeah. So Mary, mm. talk to us about uh, cold water therapy because you love a little dip in the I sea, do. don't you? I do. Preferably with your kit off, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Naked under the moonlight is the preferable, in Mallorca, actually, is the preference. Uh, but stony, Brighton sea is, um, is also fun. So it's basically how you get through life is how you get in the sea right so you stood there you've got your shit shoes on that you bought from amazon for four quid but they you know the first time you did it the pebbles were the pain of everything um (laughs) and you stood there and you're thinking this is stupid this i'm not i can't do this i can't do it i can't do it i can't it's going to be too cold it's going to be painful it's going to hurt it's you know all of those things and then you're like, there's a little voice that goes, fuck it, let's do it. We know it's going to feel good. And then you get a little bit closer and then that co- the, the wave comes and you feel it on your calves and you think, shit, this is a really bad idea. This is freezing. I'm not going to, you know, this, I'm, I can't do it. I, I'm not going to be able to do it. And then you go a little bit deeper and you go a little bit deeper and, and you know, and then you get your middle wet. And once you feel like once you've got your tummy wet, you're in kind of thing Mm. and it's like okay now it's just one big breath get your shoulders in and you're done you're in and it's fine (laughs) and it's that it's that kind of (laughs) mental process Mm. that if you apply that to problems that we have and challenges that we have it's 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 like oh my god I did it I did it and it's and it and um and once your shoulders are in, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I just think, and every time I do it, it reminds me I can do hard things. Mm. Um, and I am yeah. doing hard things and I can do them and I will do them. Um, but I, it, it's that conversation every single time I go in the sea. Mm. I love that head. it's a metaphor. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is. So it really is. And I think if we uh, have that approach to things, instead of kind of giving up and thinking, oh no, I haven't got my shoes on today. Um, so mm. the pebble's going to hurt too much much so I'm gonna go home you know if we all had that then we wouldn't really get to do get to do things <laughs> get to do anything definitely <laughs> Mary I want to talk to you about your wonderful um vision board workshops that you mm-hmm. run so I know that this is something you're really passionate about it really is yeah 
tell us a little bit more about it. Mm, well, I ran one actually last week. I was really surprised because let's face it, 2020 has not, this version of 2020 was not on anyone's fucking vision board. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I like vision boards, it's not, I'm not, a man not going to talk about manifestation or um positive thinking and um having that kind of mindset what it does is it reminds you about what's important to you so it's almost mm. like a a values vision board if you like so having a visual reminder of the things that are important to you is a great mind trick it's a mm. great it's a great thing to remind you so instead of getting to that point where you're not drinking water having too many chocolate brownies and um just not looking after yourself yeah. uh, instead of you 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 move through those so so that will always happen so i will always get to that point where i'm having too much coffee too many chocolate brownies and not enough water that will you know that is that one of my coping mechanisms for stress and overwhelm Mm -hmm. and uh but having things on a vision but pictures visual representation of the things that i'm that are important to me up in the kitchen or in the bathroom bathroom is where mine's at at the moment having that there is this Mm -hmm. this this reminder this little little nudge it's like "Mm, this is this is what we want this is this is which way we're going and uh and these things make the shit times less yeah. you know basically and so so i find it's a brilliant way of getting that visual reminder every day um obviously you have to get it up somewhere so it's no good if you do the vision board and then come home and have it shoved behind your sofa so so getting it up somewhere that you're going to look at kind of contemplating it looking Mm. at it thinking about it is really important but it just moves us through those processes and through those behavioral change so much quicker Uh, yeah i just could talk about them all day long i love them it sounds Mm. good Love the sound of you that. two haven't done one, have you? I've, I know. I was thinking. No, I'd love to yeah. actually. Yeah, same as Becky. To. I love a bit of. Um, I like the idea of just cutting and sticking. Well, that's the <laughs> other part of it. So that's the other part of it. Is actually creative play is something that we yeah. don't do very much of and um so lots of people say this they get it, it it's all of a sudden so they're three hours and, and it and it's more you know there's we do exercises and stuff to kind of get in that zone it's all and I talk about the things that we're doing all the time saying this is why we're doing this yeah. and this is why I've lit the candle and put the um smellies on and stuff like that because I'm creating this atmosphere I'm creating the mood and part of the thing is the sticking and there's this literally about usually about two hours in there's all of a sudden there's this this zoned outness that people are just in this place of creative you know this oh it's magic it's magic and I love it and I can't completely um, focused yeah just completely Mm. in the moment you know so, so there's a mindfulness aspect to it which is really important just that focusing on one thing and when we're doing things with our hands when we're cutting and sticking it makes it much easier for us to be in the moment be present be mindful Mm. so it's an amazing experience and people do them regularly um because it's it's carving out that time for you there's so many things Mm. and and we kind of do coaching when we're going around and we're talking about it and um yeah it's really interesting i had a lady um she'd cut out the word retirement because she thought that was the next thing on her list and that you know where she was going and it, and it kept falling on the floor 
and she kept picking it up and it kept falling <laughs> on the floor and it got to be quite funny and I was like hang on a minute is, is this actually something that you want because it doesn't seem to be be wanting to get on this board and she's like do you know what no I want to keep working it's really important to me I really love oh, it and I really enjoy it and I was like okay well let's work on that and, and yeah and it was just it was it was really weird how this oh, I just kept that. falling on the floor and it's like <laughs> I think the universe is trying to tell us something so yeah so my vision board workshops are very different to the things that you get advertised on Instagram and stuff they are not um it's not a shopping list yeah. and it's there's no manifestation there's no you know there's no woo-woo-ness to it this is about a visual reminder for things that are important to you and mm. um, that you have up there yeah I've got a question for mm. you Mary you are very well known for your sense of fun okay. and dicking about <laughs> I was wondering what you're gonna say there. and you're very good <laughs> and you're very good at uh, bringing out the sort of silly goofy side in people aren't you is that something you think is important in life absolutely. you know being able to have a laugh absolutely. why wouldn't it be you know and I am the first one to suggest we all get naked and go in the sea and it's because we all feel better <laughs> afterwards and mm. I know that that is you know I'm never going to force anyone to have fun but if you're in the ivy toilets, you know, I mean, if you can't <laughs> dick around on a column um, or in those mirrors, you know, it's just, it's, I just think there there are opportunities for fun that we don't, you know, you know, that real belly laughs and those kind of tears in your eyes and stuff. And yeah, it's just important to play. And it's important, you know, we, particularly when we have kids, we kind of, when mm. I mention play or creativity, they think about, oh, I'll get the sticky felts out or, you know, I need to do some clay modelling with my children. And it's actually, it's like, no, 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 no. I mean, your play, you know, how, what do you do to have fun? You know, and, and yeah, make time for dicking around. I mean, I've yeah. scheduled it in before. I've actually scheduled it in. It's something that's important to me. It's one of my values, you know, is to, yeah. is, to, is, yeah. to, is to make some time for doing that. We do forget how, don't we, sometimes? I think we kind of get so bogged down with work and logistics and the day-to-day sort yeah. of stuff that sometimes you forget even how mm. to play. It's, yeah. it's a funny one, yeah. isn't it? We sort of lose the lose the capacity. And, and, and then again, it's, it, there's no prescriptive stuff for it. You know, it, mm. it could be anything. But it's really important to find what makes you laugh like that. Just, you know. But I, I love mm. that you, mm. you encourage women to you know, and, and men, but a lot of the work you do is around women mm. to sort of look at what they're doing in their lives, set themselves these boundaries. And one of the things that always comes up with you and I is this issue around busyness. And I know that you mentioned this earlier on in the conversation, but this, the B word, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Oh, and and I sort of, I know that it's a thing for you. It's a real buzzword. <laughs> and Again, like perhaps share a little bit of the advice that you have spoken to with me over the years about oh. busyness. It's not a badge of honour. It's 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 mm. not a good thing. It's it's you know again it's one of these things that we're taught is really good and it's you know it's a valuable thing. Yes, I'm really busy. You know when people ask me oh how business is, you know I'm entirely honest with them. I'm you know I will not say oh yeah really busy just yeah. for something to say. I won't say it. Actually, I've had one client in the last three months, and this is actually the truth. I've had one client in the mm. last three months, and. Um, 
Yeah, and things are really quiet for me mm-hmm. at the moment. Some of it's intentional, moving flats. You know, there's, there's, I've had the hysterectomy, you know, there's, some of it is intentional, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't expect it to be this quiet. And mm-hmm. I, I will quite happily say that to anybody. I think we're too used to having those, um, go-to sayings you know we need to change the narrative and how we change the narrative is by looking at our language and if I hit in it and if somebody else being busy if you're not can can, you feel that Mm. shame and it's it's, again it's around that shame thing isn't it it's a bit like um well, it's like this morning. Guess what my thoughts were? Oh, I should really have a podcast. Why? Why haven't I got a podcast? Oh, my uh, Mary. Becky and Lex. No, but I'm serious. But yeah. this is this was yeah. the conversation. It's that in comparison my head. thing, though, that we all do exactly. it. Exactly, we and it's all that, oh do God, it. Actually, finding time. How is Lex getting rid of her children? I mean, I know Becky's still asleep, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a struggle, Mary. It's a struggle. Let me tell you, they're downstairs. They've got duct, duct tape, tape yeah, around exactly. their mouths. They've got duct tape around their mouths and they've got a screen fixed to their faces <laughs> but do you know what I mean you know all of those things were going around my yeah. thing like oh my god you know they're doing a podcast yeah, why am I not doing a podcast I think I should be doing a podcast and Mary yeah. why are you not doing a podcast know, exactly. you would make, make the most yeah. incredible podcast do you know what I do though do you know my podcast what it would do it would be 10 minutes only yeah because I ain't got time to listen to an hour and a half and well done if you've got this far (laughs) (laughs) how do people do it I love it but how do people do it but we listen to it in the car when we're driving or I listen to it when I'm making dinner maybe I'm just not in that zone so my podcast would be 10 minutes long um, and it would just be me I wouldn't have any guests just be me It's, it sounds sounds the Mary Show. I love that. I'm subscribing. I'm subscribing and rating already. I think it's great. Mary, we finish every podcast episode mm. with this same question, mm. uh, which we ask all of our guests, which is basically, if you could add a note to a mother box headed out for a new mother with your best bit of advice, what would it say? Don't quit on a bad day. Oh, yes, I, I like that. And I think it was told to me when I was breastfeeding, but in hindsight, you can actually say it at any point during my life. Don't quit on a bad day. I think it's because again, you get through the, you know, the whole kind of theme of this whole conversation, you get through stuff. You don't realize at the time you're going to get the other side of it, but you do. And so, yeah. So however you're feeling, don't quit on a bad day. Amazing. Oh, Mary, it's been so lovely chatting to you. Thanks for coming welcome. on with us today. I much enjoyed it. doesn't really feel like we've done a podcast. It feels like we just had a chat and I've had a cry. <laughs> Let some of that emotion out. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> Thank you, darling. It's been brilliant. Thanks once again to Mary for sharing with us her wisdom and for being so honest about her parenting journey. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about the work that we do, look out for our books, The Little Book of Self-Care for New Mums and The Little Book of Self-Care for Mums-to-be, where we talk further about birth, parenthood, relationships and much more. We have another brilliant guest coming up on the next show and we can't wait. Do let us know what you thought over on our Instagram and please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. See you next time on Notes from the Mother Box.
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.